In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. It's the summer of 2008 at the Olympic Stadium in London, and 60,000 people are gathered to see something that they've never seen before. They are um, excited with agitation and expectation. When suddenly one man enters the stadium, the fastest man in the world, the man that they had come to see, and those that were there described the experience of him walking into the stadium like a, an electric shock going through the crowd. Usain Bolt that day again set a world record and an Olympic record in just nine seconds and change. He ran the 100 meters and the stadium was again electric with anticipation. And when they uh, saw him win again the race, he was wrapped in the flag of Jamaica. And when he stood upon the podium, they put the gold medal over his neck. And these are the acts that uh, bear the meaning of glory that we see in this uh, Hebrew word and understanding. One of the Hebrew words that we have for glory is this putting on of a cloak or, or putting weight or putting a prize on something. Uh, the, the One of the words is a pictograph of the person receiving that cloak put upon them. And so like a Joseph's coat of many colors or like Elijah's mantle, the covering of glory is an understanding that we have for recognizing some great accomplishment. And this is what the prophet Ezekiel is describing through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the Lord is gathering his people, he's gathering the nations of the world, and he's saying, watch as I do something that you've never seen done before. Watch as I accomplish my work and I will receive glory from you when you perceive what it is that I have done. Not that the people can add glory to the Father, not that we have anything to give Him or to add to His majesty, but the understanding of glory is to say, yes, I see the magnificent act that you have done. The magnificent act of the Lord is the same act that He starts with in the very beginning of Genesis. He creates us to dwell in His garden paradise. And that plan has never changed. His coming as Christ, His redeeming us, His restoring us, his, his continuing project of sanctifying us is about dwelling with us in paradise. It's about gathering His people and dwelling with Him. And this is what is described here in Ezekiel chapter 39. That He's restoring the fortunes of Jacob. That He's taking the people of covenant, the people of promise, and He's bringing them back. And He is going to dwell with them and safety. And of course, we understand that this is a promise that has happened, a promise that has not yet happened, and a promise that will happen in this uh, cyclical understanding of salvation history. God accomplishes, and He accomplishes again, and He accomplishes again. He continues to show us how He is even now gathering His people together. And when we understand and we perceive when our attention is brought to the acts of God, away from all of the other distractions of the world that we may be focused on, when we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts and our minds to perceive what God is doing in our midst, and we understand, oh, this is what God's plan is, 
This is what His act is. To bring us together, to gather us, and to bring us into His holiness, we are participating in His glory. We have to pay attention to what it is that the Lord is doing, what His plan of salvation is. And once He has gathered His people together, and He's gathered uh, those that the Father has chosen from before time together, He sits in the upper room at the end of His... uh, high priestly prayer in this upper room discourse. You you remember that Jesus has been now in the upper room. Uh, he has been teaching them at the end of the Last Supper. And uh, here in chapter 17 of John's Gospel, he's just about to go out one last time of the city of Jerusalem and go uh, to Gethsemane where he will be arrested. This is uh, that last moment. This is a kind of a, a climax of the story. We've been watching as he's been building. He's been showing us how He dwells in the Father and how uh, the Father dwells in Him and how He's gathering the believer to dwell in Him in the same way that He dwells in the Father in this radical tabernacling, this radical indwelling with God. And He describes this and He says, Now that I've brought them all together, now that they believe in Me, now that they know who it is that I am, now that they understand the purposes of the Father, He says, Now I'm ready for the sacrifice. And this High priestly prayer is just that. Jesus is the high priest. He has gathered his offering. He's gathered himself. And he's saying, look what's about to happen. Look at the offering that I'm about to give. Look at the sacrifice that's about to be made. And it's for these that I've gathered together. And he says that he gathers us together in truth with a belief, with an understanding. And we have to take a moment just to remember that a belief in God is not an idea, right? We're not just... um, brains with bodies, right? Belief is not just an idea that we have in our head. Faith is not just an an understanding. It's not an intellectual exercise, right? It's about obeying. It's about uh, living as Christ has lived. It's about living the kind of life that he has lived, living the life of sacrifice. And he tells us this over and over again, right? That when we live as he has lived, when we act as he has acted, when we submit in humility to the Father the way that he has submitted, um, then we are Um, submitting in belief to him and we are dwelling and tabernacling with him and so he gathers this sacrifice and this prayer says uh, that he is being glorified that he is interceding for those that he is dying for right and that he is accomplishing all this through sacrifice and again sometimes we get mistaken because the idea of glory in the world is that of of some great event. It's about bettering somebody else. It's about putting um, ourselves a little bit about somebody else. But the glory of God is so radically different. The glory of God is about humility. It's about sacrifice. It's about laying down our lives for others, right? It's about um, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. And so this sacrifice that he is offering is himself. And he says, um, when I have sacrificed myself, then um, the believer uh, will be glorified in me. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. That's crazy. Isn't it? God is glorified in us? How can that be? St. Peter describes it to us in his first letter, chapter 4. He says, first of all, we're not going to be surprised by the fiery trial. See, the prophets and the law have taught us how to walk on the sidewalk. 
right? We know how to keep out of traffic. We know how to look both ways to make sure that bus doesn't hit us, right? We've learned how to walk this life. And, and we walk it, we know, to keep ourselves safe. We know that we walk it to keep those that we love safe, right? We say, follow the laws of God, follow His commandments, live life according to His will. The temptation for us always is to strut when we do it. Look at me, how I stay on the sidewalk. Look at those fools as they get hit by buses. Or I'm going to keep walking this sidewalk into prosperity and to great power and authority, right? I'm going to keep on this sidewalk and follow God's laws so that I get some great things. And then you can see what a great job I'm doing. I'm blessing other people by doing it. St. Peter says, don't be surprised when you suffer. In other words, be prepared for it. In other words, what are you doing to suffer? Because while we're on the sidewalk, there are crowds of people in traffic. Children. Orphans. People who don't know any better. Some people are running in traffic for the fun of it. And our job as Christians is to step off of that sidewalk and to take them by the hand and to say, come to the sidewalk with me. We call out. We say, look at how safe it is following God's law. We say, look at, look at the blessings that we've received. And sometimes we're kicked off the sidewalk. Sometimes we're put into the middle of traffic by circumstance, by tyrants. We know the temptation of tyrants, right? Because we know that if we were given the kind of power that God has, we'd say, I'd keep everybody safe. I'd make them be safe. I wouldn't allow bad things to happen to good people. I'd run out there in traffic and I'd grab those people and I'd pick them up whether they wanted it or not. And I'd make them stay on the sidewalk. Why doesn't God do that? Why doesn't he make these people stay on the sidewalk? What kind of a loving God lets them wander out in traffic? And that's where we are in the midst of these trials. That's where we're in the midst of this danger because we, for the love of God and of our neighbor, are willing to step into traffic and risk our own lives to save those who do not know the way of everlasting life. And those people that live in traffic, we call saints and martyrs. Hopefully that's what we've been teaching these children at Good Shepherd School. The sidewalk is safe. Walking in the ways of God bring blessing that you cannot imagine. And there's people in the road that need our help. May you walk into traffic. May you sacrifice your lives for others. Out of love out of the love of your Heavenly Father. And may those acts bring glory to Him. Bring glory to His name. May your lives bring glory. <laughs>